I think we should probably just get right into the most controversial news since the last time we spoke, which of course has to be the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I was going to go for the cancellation of any given Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one too. Actually, let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, pardon my lack of enthusiasm this week, but you know how, how stuff goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, I guess we should at least temporarily um, dispense with the the humor and and probably get into legitimately the the important news. I'm um, dead serious about this. The show being canceled. Oh, do you do you want to do that first? Yeah. Okay. So did you end up watching any more episodes after the first couple? No. Um, well, I guess I ended up watching maybe one or two others, but no, it, it never really got its hook into me, um, which is which is weird because th- the podcast consistently has. Like I, I don't think I've missed an episode of his new podcast unless it was a you know a, a topic or a guest that I'm really not interested in, which doesn't happen often, but every once in a while. I find it but to be the inverse because it's always about basketball. Well, see, that's that's the thing with Simmons is he he's right in my wheelhouse where it's it's you know it's TV, pop culture, basketball, and football, which is sort of you know sort of my my four pillars, if you will. Yeah, yeah, one of one of the, one of the three branches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I can't I can't really say I'm surprised by the show getting canceled because it lacked it lacked a style it lacked a format um and i I think more importantly than anything else and i think simmons would actually be you know the first one to tell you this which is he's just not he's not great at tv he he is phenomenal at radio and podcasts but He's just not a he's not a TV guy. I'm not really sure that's that's what held it back because yeah, I mean, I I watched a couple of them to the start, and then um, I actually watched a couple a few days before it got canceled. I don't know what inspired me to to go watch a few. Um, I think it's because my cable card doesn't actually work with HBO ever since I moved. So um, well, we should. So mine hasn't either. We should come back to that. And and. Well, we will. But one thing I have to say that that's the best is whenever uh, a cable card fails to communicate with um, a premium channel, you get this gray screen. That yeah, completely knocks you out of whatever you're watching. That's and right. that would happen to me about six times a day. Anytime it would try to record an episode of any given Wednesday for this season pass that I had uh, rarely ever watched. It, it brings you to the it brings you to like the cable card setup screen, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of what you're watching, and I was trying to figure out like why why the fuck is it doing this? Because like I mean, I know that that meant like some type of unauthorized uh, like channel access, but I'm like I'm not I'm not watching anything. And then I always notice that uh, I'm like, oh, it's probably trying to record an HBO show in the background <laughs> of one of the tuners I'm not using. Right. But yeah, anyway, like the show was fine. Like I I don't know I th- I. For me, it was that they would always have guests on that were basketball related that I just I, I did not care about at all. Um, but I didn't think it was that bad. Like I watched there was an episode uh, recently that had um, Bob Costas and and some other guy on Al, Al Michaels. Yeah, and, th- and I thought that was very good. Like I I enjoyed that. Um, I think it was just disjointed in the sense that there was a lot of people I didn't care about. But I didn't think the show was that bad, and I didn't think like he was awkward on TV. Um. 
I guess, well, I mean, it's just, isn't that all, how all like non news sports programming is? Well, I guess what I'm come where I'm coming from with it though, is comparing it to the podcast. And I mean, personally, I, I think compared to the podcast, he does come across as a little awkward and just not, I don't know, just not, not quite himself. And yeah, I mean, I, disjointed is a good word for what I was trying to say earlier with Ray. Just it just didn't have a didn't have a format because I I, I do think what it was missing because you're you're sort of like I think trying to get at maybe what was different about this show than others, and I think it was missing a format. I think that really is key. You think about any other sort of talk or sports show, and just about everyone has a fairly standard um or at least routine format and any given wednesday was sort of all over the place yeah i mean it could have been worse oh there's a, there's a lot of really garbage tv out there i think i think particularly with sports yeah well like I, yeah. i'm not even talking about just like the, the tweets on espn and that kind of stuff although perhaps i didn't put in the in, in the list uh but we should probably talk about the nielsen thing that says like espn lost a half million homes like in like last quarter but i i, I believe it yeah, it's just I don't know. Tele- television millennials, every, every, everything's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think we we should. Yeah. For 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 real this time, we we should we should get into it. Yeah. So we we are recording this on Wednesday, November 9th. and we are we are coming off of. I, I think it's it's fair to say in our lifetimes the most significant political event we've we've ever lived through it's um i don't know it's it's i've been thinking sort of all day about what i wanted to talk about and kind of what lens i wanted to try to look at some things through and i mean we're we're about about almost exactly 24 hours since the call was made and I'm still I'm still kind of coming up empty in a lot of ways. I think um it's frustrating. I've I've I, I don't want to like exaggerate, but I've I've just felt like I'm just like running at like half mast today. Like I don't know that's probably a poor analogy, but I think that kind of speaks to the level of disappointment and kind of just in frustration and uh lack lack of like it just disappointment in in I think overall, like it, whether you whether you live in the middle, like if you live in flyover country, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just I'm trying to do a callback to a, an earlier part of the show, but it's, it does it doesn't work. But if you live in in a rural area or uh, a midwestern state that is uh, been more heavily affected by globalization and, and kind of the changing demographics of the country, or if you live uh, on like one of the uh, more liberal coastal states. Or if you live in an urban area, like I think, over, like everybody has this idea of like what America is and what they like, how they identify their American pride. Because I don't think I, I don't think any, I don't think the vast majority of people uh, of this country aren't positive on America. I think people can nitpick and have all these complaints about what could be better or what part of the country they they think is maybe not contributing. But I think everybody has this pride and and 
positive feeling about America. And and I think for both sides, it just seems like we have it. We're not like meeting in the middle and figuring out what the other half is, is experiencing. And that unfortunately kind of became very, very apparent last night when if you if you if you're like if you're a west coast or like east coast like liberal or even somebody who just is is maybe more educated and engaged looking at the the journalism and the reporting and everything that comes out you would think there's one grossly un well you're not thinking it, it's the truth there's one grossly unqualified hate monger that is is upending one political party against what could potentially be the first female president uh, who was one of the most qualified people, man or woman, to ever run for office and who who got a, just like a shit rap over a, a, a couple of missteps in, in her career. And it's, it's just frustrating to think that for so many people who are using democracy as a way to express their frustration at uh, a, a changing demographics and changing economic opportunity based on things that for a lot of, uh, uh, quite frankly, are not of the, like the purview of elected officials. Like you can't change the fact that other countries will do things for cheaper or that automation happens or that technology is not just going to stop because some people want cushy middle-wage jobs that just aren't going to exist anymore. I don't know. It's, it's just frustrating and I don't know, it like I hate the whole phrase of like we're more divided than we've ever been, because like no no we're fucking not. There was a civil war before. But we're we're not speaking the same language anymore and and, and something and and now we have to go around for four years of saying the words President Trump, which I, I just don't fucking know. Yeah, so something that stood out to me today was in uh, President Obama's remarks. He used a phrase, something along the lines of, you know, our elections, no matter how divisive they are, sort of represent, a, you know, um, intramural scrimmage where we're all, we're all on the same team. And we ultimately, I, I agree with what you said. I, th I think the vast majority of people who voted yesterday, both for Clinton and Trump, want what they feel is in the best interest of the country. But we, as a country, have very different views on how we think we should go about doing that. Um, and... I don't know. So what I'm what I'm thinking of, because I mean, there is there is so much to say. Um, but what I'm what I'm kind of thinking of in terms of how we should go about this is maybe talking a little bit about things from the election. You know, things that surprised us, things that disappointed us, things that now that it's over, we can kind of look back and you know maybe take a, a closer look at. And then sort of talk about the results themselves from last night. And then finally sort of talk about what we think, you know, the path going forward is. Um, so I, I think, you know, starting with the election, to me, the thing that is 
gonna take the I think the most time to the process is trying to understand how we went just four short years ago to Romney and Obama and looking at that campaign and really just what a completely traditional campaign it was in almost every single way, including the fact that, you know, one snafu in the second debate, the binders full of women, you know, stood out as in this incredibly offensive, game-changing comment. Um, Same thing with that um, audio that leaked out from that private event where what was it? He basically wrote off 47% of the country or something, mm-hmm. you know, those, those types of things, which throughout at least our lifetimes, like th- those are the types of beats in a campaign that we've sort of known and recognized as being pivotal moments. And I mean, this, this campaign was just full of that and, and, and not, not just that, but I mean, we're talking about sexual assault allegations we're talking about an actual audio tape where trump is is bragging about these types of actions we're talking about making fun of disabled people threatening to ban entire religions building a wall between us and our neighbors things that you know i can't remember if we used this on air or just off air before but i I had heard this on some some podcast or in an article somewhere where, you know, it seems like half of the things that have happened in this election, if a screenwriter were to try to pitch this as like a movie idea to a studio, most of what's happened in this election would get thrown out as being too extreme and unrealistic. But it but it happened. And it seemed like it it just had happened so quickly. There was no gradual change that seemed to occur we just went from 2012 directly to where we were this year and that's just it's just a hard thing to sort of understand how it how it happened and how it happened so quickly it's it's a lot of things like i think that it became very very easy for the world to or for for the country to become desensitized to uh not not gaffes but it just just awfulness because you have this 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 outsider who speaks in a very simplistic way that appeals because he's he's primarily sure he's a businessman of questionable success but you you have somebody who has been successful undeniably successful at being an entertainer and somebody who can who can speak to people, whether or not he's speaking in an inspirational or, or um, charismatic way, like a Barack Obama or somebody does, or he's speaking in a way that just appeals to the basic instincts of people who again feel marginalized by the system. So while most of the things that he says are are terrible and will. Uh, just piss off and 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 frustrate to no end uh like coast state liberals it just all that stuff doesn't stick to people who are uh, who's like the message that he's delivering about uh, about like this emotional message 
about like just why the world doesn't work or making America great again, calling back to times when, you know, oh, oh, uh, black people didn't actually matter or there was no technology that like all these things where everybody was entitled to a middle class $70,000 or whatever, adjusted for inflation. Like it just feels good in a basic sense to a lot of people. And it's very, very comforting the things that he was saying and whether or not that meant that you're cutting yourself off from an, a religion of 1 billion people, or you're saying that a third of the North American content are uh, drug dealers and rapists. Like it just doesn't stick and it doesn't matter. And it all just kept coming to the point where just it, the liberals it, it couldn't stay outraged long enough. And the media gave him such a free, just a free platform to to spread all that. And just, I don't like, just there's the attention span isn't there for any of it to stick. Like, I totally get what you're saying where, like, because 538, which has been kind of uh, like, thank you for introducing me to the elections podcast, but I had followed the website for a while, but they did a couple of um, audio documentaries and uh, about like previous elections and kind of like game changers in elections. And they did an entire one on Howard Dean and like the Dean scream event. Like to think that somebody being excited and, and hopeful about uh, trying to re uh, like redirect the ship after a loss in a primary state sunk an entire campaign yet going on CNN and yelling, uh, I'm, I'm building a wall. He's a Mexican. Uh, like uh, talking about a federal judge, like it just it, it it's insane that just how warped everybody's view has become. Like I, I don't even know if this is answering your question, but it's just this level of confusion and and just disbelief. I don't even know. Well, and it 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 sort of gets ahead to what I wanted to be the final part, which is talking about what what does all this mean going forward. But I I think we have to talk about it now, which is you know what. What is the the legacy of this campaign going to be? You know, does this does this instantly make twenty sixteen the norm, and every election here on out is going to be this way, or is this some type of one off event? I mean, I I don't I don't so I I, don't I know. I think it is a one-off event in a way. So you you have to think, and again, I haven't prepared for this. So I, like if, if we had, and again, we should probably maybe in, in a month or something, maybe do something more formal, but I don't, I, I don't think, I think this definitely is a one-off and I don't think it can happen again in this same exact way. I just think this is a frustration of, of certain people who again, feel marginalized and saw eight years of something that they didn't like and in a world that just keeps on changing. And you have somebody who's speaking in a way that they really like, but also you have to think about like, uh, uh, like all of like the technology and stuff. Like we now have like Facebook and Twitter and social media and stuff that makes it so easy for people to stay in their bubble and disseminate information of dubious veracity. Uh, and just all these news sources, like uh, like in August, um, there was that guy from that really like that uh, who became. Trump's like media director who used to like head up Breitbart or like one of these like super weird alt-right um, journalistic outfits. Do you know who it is? I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name. But like that person being like the communications director for a modern political campaign is just insane. 
but now you have like you you we're not like like 1992 has been like recognized as like the first like post like media like television first uh election and now we have something where you can stay so insulated and be within your bubble of of regional friends who are posting the same obama's a muslim type nonsense and that's just your worldview it's not that you have four channels and you're watching the network news at six anymore you have just this constant barrage of misinformation that and i don't think it's facebook's fault but it enables it where so many people can just live in this world of incorrect and just just like this this fake world that confirms this view that they have whether it's true or not you can't think like we just can't think that everybody is paying to read the New York Times and hopefully gets quality journalism and thinks critically about the issues. That's just not the world that we live in, and we have to think in the electoral system that we have that uh, a lot of people who don't care that much or are thinking in a more personal and self interested way are are gonna are gonna are gonna shape things and. Sometimes somebody who is just saying, like, I, I, what's frustrating, like, and you maybe you can kind of shed more light on this, but Trump was different or is different than all the other candidates in so many other ways. Because when Obama was campaigning for Clinton in the final weeks, he he went all in on saying that he thought uh, Trump was unfit for the presidency, and that. Like a Mitt Romney or a John McCain or a whole bunch of the other establishment Republicans, you would have policy disagreements and you maybe would not think the country would go uh, towards maybe a progressive path that you you want it to be for the next four years, but you didn't fear for the future of the republic. And I think I and a lot of other people do right now. So I, I just don't think there's an opportunity for that to always be that way. I just, I don't know. Well, what 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 are your thoughts? Well, I so I, I think that the two other big things that that stand out to me from the election itself tie into a lot of what you just said. Um, the, the first thing is it it's just incredibly it's just disappointing. I guess is the best word I can come up with it. How non-issues based the election was and i and i get that elections to a large extent are about the people and about themes and it, it's it we we've gotten away a, a lot from solid policy issues and i i <clears throat> to an extent i i get that but you know you mentioned this near the beginning which is you know you look at clinton and i, I don't care you know what your ideological beliefs are there is absolutely no disputing that she is one of the if not the most qualified person to ever run for the presidency and that that was hardly ever talked about during the campaign like her her record was almost never brought up and that's that 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 to me is shocking and you know coupled with that is the fact that Trump, I mean, virtually offered no concrete policies. And even when he would sort of vaguely talk about an idea, he would offer no specifics. 
Um, so it, it's just it's just stunning to me that we went through you know 18 months worth of primaries and the general election and really just never talked about policy. Um, and you know, somewhat related to that on the, on the Trump side, that this the second thing that really stands out to me is just what an objectively poor campaign he ran. I mean, he had a disastrous convention that most people in his party wouldn't even attend. He was constantly. But you don't think you don't think that rally like fires up like that base that feels that even the establishment GOP is is to blame. Like well, the, but but that's to the outsiders. I, it, it looks terrible, but to the people who he's speaking to, doesn't that just reinforce what he's selling? Like that's that's the terrible part. Is again, like like I, I I am not a John McCain fan, but like had he become president, other than like the whole Sarah Palin thing, like you would think that he's somebody who who respects the military and would think very cautiously about involving himself in wars and that like there are so many like policy differences you can you can quibble uh equivocate over but it it it, trump is just and in this and i'm going all over the place but this is why why, uh paul ryan is so damn frustrating and and just he's such a weasel is that he's he's such an opportunist and he just doesn't care like he he's willing to glom on to trump's success now but before he would repudiate everything he said without actually withdrawing his support because the GOP just had no idea what the hell to do with this guy because they, they were trying when it looked grim for him. They wanted to do everything they could to try to uh, protect their majorities in, in, the, in the legislative bodies. But now that things look, are looking sunnier, they're all back into it. And I just don't even, I don't know, man. Yeah, out. Outside of Trump himself, the the people who I just couldn't have any less respect for out of this election are people like Ryan, people like Rubio, people like Cruz, these guys who basically did everything they could to at least at some point distance themselves. And in the case of, you know, Cruz and Rubio, outright attack. And, you know, I, I fully understand that when you're in a primary against someone you're you're going to say things that you maybe later walk back i mean shoot i mean that you can even look at obama and clinton and point to something like that but the difference is never at any point did you have clinton or obama say that the other was unfit for the office of president you had reasonable policy differences but that was it Whereas, I mean, you had people like Rubio and Cruz repeatedly say that Trump was unfit to serve. And these, these Republicans who put their own self-interest and their party above the country is something that I'm, ne- I'm never going to forgive. And I'm, you know, I think for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember that and know that the Republican Party, at least as you and I have known it so far, and the people that we've grown up with so far, are putting themselves above the safety of you and me and everyone else here, and that's that's just completely unforgivable. Well, so, so let me ask you: Do you 
do you think the GOP survives in its current form? Like, can you really have some, like, well, actually, this is a two-part question. One, do you, what, what does a Donald Trump presidency look like? Like, do you think he somehow moves more towards the middle and tones down the bombasticness and, and just the, the awfulness that got him there? Like, do you think it was a, mostly just a stage act? And he, now that he's, he's stuck with something he may or may not have actually wanted, does he move towards normalcy? And then in following that, does the GOP that waffled on him so many times over and that in a lot of ways was repudiated and and rejected by like the Trump supporting electorate. I mean, what do those look like? Well, I mean, I, I guess I first before sort of answering your question, I guess I would dispute sort of the premise of that second part, which is, I mean, the voters did not reject the Republican establishment. I mean, they Republicans easily maintained control of both the House and the Senate. Well, that that's because you wouldn't choose if you're a Trump voter, you, whether or not you actually like the establishment Republicans. Your alternative is not to vote Democrats into office. So I think it is a very half-hearted endorsement of the Republicans. Well, I mean, I okay. Well, I guess we'll see. Um. But I mean, to answer your your question, I mean, the the scariest part about all of this is, I, I don't know, and that's that's what's scary about this moment is even in the past, when you when you've had someone elected who you don't agree with politically or philosophically, at least you know what you're going to get. Whereas with Trump, I mean, you you just you you don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess there there's a scenario where he ends up being a lot more talk than action, and sort of in practice becomes somewhat of a I'll put this in the world's biggest air quotes kind of normal president. But well, I mean, I mean, that's the hope is that he just becomes a figurehead and he just surrounds himself with people who are actually making the policy decisions like remember the thing when like uh, they were talking about Kasich, where they're saying like oh uh here's what he would do and then like and he he said foreign policy economic policy and all this kind of stuff and then somebody else said oh then what does donald trump actually do he says focus on making america great again like you don't th- you don't think that he just becomes the figurehead and just everybody else just does the governing or and it just fulfills the office around him i mean that doesn't that doesn't make me feel any better given by given the types of people he's surrounding himself with well sure who's being floated as like the epa head is a climate change denier so right and and, and during his speech last night i mean the the people that he's bringing up on stage the the chris christie's and the rudy giuliani's and the reince priebus's like these are presumably the people who are going to fill his cabinet and if they're the ones in charge that doesn't make me feel any better. So yeah, I mean, so I, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't know what kind of president he's going to be, which is exactly the thing that's most terrifying. And I think the second part of your question about how the GOP is going to handle him is, you know, <clears throat> probably in is going to be in response to what kind of president he is. Um, I'm hopeful that if he, if we do sort of get a worst case president trump 
in a lot of what was said and proposed in the campaign he tries to enact that there'll be at least enough sane Republicans to refute a lot of that and push back against that. But but do you think that actually happens? Because like, has there ever been like during during the I mean. During the Obama presidency, there was almost none. I don't remember about the Clinton presidency, but was there ever a time when the where a substantial amount of the party publicly goes against what the same party pre, uh, president is is pursuing? I mean, no. I mean, I mean, because like depending on like the level of like uh, liberalness, uh, I mean, certain like you know like uh, Southern Democrats and in other things like that would perhaps be less gung-ho on the things that Obama was uh, advocating for. But I, I really don't see a world where establishment Republicans are constantly criticizing uh, any any radical agenda or whatever actually happens, uh, depending on how Trump decides to, to treat the executive branch. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But again, I, don't I, don't I, I can't... <laughs> Can I leave the theater? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I'll I I'll say it again. I mean that's that's what's the most scary is is the uncertainty. Um did did we cover everything? I think I think we uh missed a question in the middle there. Um or did we catch it? No, I I, th- I think I think that that for me at least covers most of I guess what I wanted to go through with the election itself. Um, which then sort of transitions into the actual results from from last night. Okay, go for um, it. It's like a couple of things for me here. The first is, and you, you've alluded to this, you know, I thought consistently throughout the entire election leading up to the actual results last night and sort of in the subsequent analysis of those results that 538 nailed it. You know, they they particularly over the last four to six weeks have been hammering home repeatedly the fact that trump winning was a very real possibility so can, can you know, I, real quick with that do you remember have you did were you reading all the uh 538 like just shit talking that was going on about people saying that it, it, why is 538 uh like in the tank for trump and being so bullish on his on his options or on, on his uh possibility to actually become president when like the new york times was at like 93 percent the whole time or whatever and, and this is i mean this, this is nothing new i mean the, you know for for nate silver um you know 538 wasn't around the last election cycle but you know Nate Silver's model was which is essentially the the premise of 538 as we know it now you know, in, in 2012, it was sort of, you know, the opposite, where you had all the Romney people saying, you know, oh, this is this is a much more competitive race than you're showing it, like the, the data is wrong. And, you know, no, the, the, the data is not wrong. Um, and, you know, the, the line that Silver has been using over, over this last month or so is, you know, basically think of a coin flip. You get tails twice in a row. That's the odds of Trump winning. And even kind of in the elections last week, when the Cubs were down three to one in the World Series, you also had the Cubs' odds of winning and Trump's odds of winning at basically the same. 
And guess what? The Cubs won, and then Trump won. So I, I you know, I thought five thirty eight just did a an incredible job of sort of putting out that context. And then in, in the aftermath of what happened last night, you know, there was also this just. I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't so incredibly sad. This this immediate reaction by everyone to say, oh, you know, there there was this incredible polling miss and the 2016 election is going to represent the death of big data and all these models. No, it, it just shows that a bunch of the models that we had were crap from the beginning, which you could have said even before the election last night. And 538 basically nailed it. I mean, their their model is going to end up being closer to the national um, voting total or voting split than it even was in 2012. And the the misses that it had state by state were perfectly normal. This was it was within the the realm of a normal polling error. And that was, again, something that, I mean, you can go back and listen to the podcast from the last couple of weeks, which they've been doing on a daily basis. They've been saying over and over and over again, that if the race got to within about three to four points, which is exactly where it was going into yesterday, that that was within the range of a normal polling error. I mean, I can't, <laughs> can't count the number of times that Nate Silver used that phrase. And you know, and that and that's that's exactly what we ended up with. So, I think I think the idea that last night represented the the death of polls or the death of big data is crazy. I just think it it just shows how completely off base a lot of the reporting was. Which you know, it, it wasn't just the models that was off. I mean. You've already touched on it, and I think it's been discussed to death, but just how poorly the entire election, and then, of course, now the results have been covered by most of the media. Well, so to change topics just a little bit, what, how do we bridge this gap between the media and this up-till-now allegedly... Uh, underrepresented and uh, unaddressed angry electorate like so so we sure we can say that uh it wasn't necessarily a polling miss and a lot of this was within the margin of error and that kind of stuff and there might have been some people who were maybe less vocal about their support for donald trump for a number of reasons but the people most passionate about the trump presidency are a lot of people who reject a lot of what the mainstream media and other people have to offer so kind of and in a lot of ways the reporting didn't really address them so where where does where does that go from here well i think that actually the my answer to that would tie directly into another point that i wanted to make about the results last night which surprise surprise i'm i'm basically getting this directly from the 538 podcast they did today which is What's incredible about the election last night is that really it was it was three states. It was Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, which all came down to about a point, um, give or take a couple tenths of a percentage here and there, but about a percentage difference in those three states. 
you know, the, the, the analogy to draw here, which I kind of feel a little silly about this because the stakes are so much higher in an election, but I think it drives the point home. The analogy is that this happens a lot in sports where if a team loses a close game, that completely changes the narrative and completely changes the story about, you know, where they go from there. So an example being, you know, the Golden State Warriors last season, best regular season record, you know, did well throughout the playoffs, made it to the NBA finals, were up three games to one, got pushed to a game seven. But even within that game seven, they were essentially two made shots away from winning that game in the fourth quarter. And had they done that, the narrative is completely different. They go down as the greatest team in NBA history, and that's all anybody ever remembers about them. But because they didn't make that final one or two field goals at the end of that game and ended up losing, that completely changes the perception about that team and sort of what they needed to do from there. And that's where we are in this election where things were so close to still ending up being a Clinton victory within one percentage point in in three states. But the reality is that even if that were to have happened, even if Clinton were to have won last night and that percentage different, that one percentage difference would have gone the other direction, it doesn't really change the country. I mean, the, the, the makeup of the electorate and the challenges we would face with our differing views would, would be exactly the same. So it's, so I, I don't know if the actual outcome is what is going to dictate what we need to do going forward, because that's, that, that's, that's not going to ch change one way or the other. So whether we had a President Trump or a President Clinton, you know, the, the, the fundamentals about our differences are, are still the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess to round this out, what... Do you, do you have any explanation or can you think of anything that explains kind of the, the depressed voter turnout? Like in what was supposed like so if we if we if we look at this and and everything we've talked about is that this is one of the there's just such an anomaly and in, in what uh, a weird and polarized election that's just so unlike uh, a lot of things in history and and again that that's all relative I'm sure in a lot of ways this isn't that different than a lot of con hotly contested uh, elections in in the past I think it's maybe just we've gone through a period of normalcy where. Uh, the re-election of George W. Bush or something was kind of the, the the worst thing that certain Democrats could think of. Again, not necessarily my personal opinion, but if you, if you look at it, the uh, I and I don't have a link to the statistic, but like uh, the Republican uh, voter turnout actually stayed pretty steady over the past three elections. But if you look at Democratic turnout, that dropped I think like by like ten million voters from two thousand eight to two thousand sixteen. I think. I think turnout for both parties is down, but it's it's down far more significantly for Democrats. Yes. Um, well, yeah. So that that yeah. I mean that that so, hits. So I mean, because it, it it was no surprise what was at stake at this election. 
I, I can't think of an election, like, again, going back to the re-election of George W. Bush, like, uh, compared to, to Trump versus Clinton, like, I mean, that that seems like the most, the, the mildest possible of, of all of all worlds, whereas this one is, like, I don't think it's an understatement that a lot of people thought, like, on, on November 8th, you were voting either for or against the apocalypse. And yet, Democrats wouldn't even come out to vote. That, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one of two really big questions for me from, from the, from the numbers last night. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm doing my best Obama impression and I'm like making everything in lists tonight, but it's sort of like the only way to even try to organize all these thoughts. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the first is, better understanding why democratic turnout was so low you know even even if you weren't someone who was incredibly enthusiastic about clinton you know particularly if you want to compare her to obama and i mean let's just call a spade a spade i mean obama is one of the best orators and just general political figures we've ever had in this country and have you I seen mean, john Kerry? <laughs> um and you know and, and and clinton's not i mean she she to me it was was more qualified for the presidency than obama was in 08 man i don't think there's any question about that really but she just didn't inspire the way that he did i mean that's that just is what it is but with that being said it, it's just it's it's unfathomable to me that so many people chose not to vote yesterday given what the alternative was so that that's that that's one of the big the big questions that i want to try to get an answer to over the coming weeks and months but then the other thing that you know i'm i'm really struggling with with the results last night is understanding understanding the trump voter because you know i mean again like just being as you know open as i can be about this because i I think it's it's important that we're like that now you know i'm someone who's grown up in california i've grown up on the coast you know i now live in what's arguably the most liberal part of the country and enjoy it a lot here and so I, you know, I'd be, I'd be the first to admit that, yeah, I probably, probably live in a bit of a, a bubble here. But, you know, for me, if I'm thinking about someone who is in a part of the country which has not done as economically well, and again, you know, San Francisco has over the last six years done probably better than any other part of the country economically even if i try to put myself in the shoes of someone who has not been that fortunate and who has lost their job and has made you know seen their job shipped overseas and has essentially felt forgotten you know even putting yourself in that mindset it's hard for me to then try to understand how do you put aside everything else that Trump stood for? So even if you believed in this 
kind of what I think is a phantom idea that he's somehow going to bring your job back, which, you know, by the way, he's not, hasn't offered any sort of concrete policies as to how he's going to do that. But even the EPA would do it. But even if we, even if we ignore that huge fact, I just don't know how you can essentially just ignore everything else he stood for. You know, how can, how can you, how can you put his economic message in the forefront and just push aside the racial discrimination, the bigotry, the accusations of sexual assault? I just don't understand how you overcome all of that and still vote for him. So I think, I think what I want to get a better understanding of is is the the true demographics of his supporters like are are these people i guess it's not really a question of are it's it's really a question of how many of these people believe in the rest of what he's selling versus how many people truly are just so fed up with economic pol existing economic policy that they were somehow able to even if they don't agree with anything else he does or says were able to overcome that like i want to understand what the what that breakout is these go up on the internet so i'm trying to choose my words really carefully um it's it's tricky because it because again like my my hypotheses are just that it's it's a lot of people who are and and I don't remember what the statistics on this are but it's 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 whether you're voting for a candidate or against the other person and again, and again I'm sure 538 covered this as well but I I think like a, a high percentage of Trump supporters were also they're consoled by the fact that he's an outsider who allegedly speaks his mind and that uh, th there's some built-in um like tolerance for being rough around the edges and with many of his voters being not necessarily worse off economically but being less educated and that's where most of the fervent support for trump comes from uh is is the less educated uh white population that feels like they have uh, gotten the shorter end of the stick and where what many liberals and, and other people would see as progress uh, in terms of, of tolerance and, and opportunity and inclusiveness, uh, they feel as that being a way of uh, creating them as the minority. So I think that the lack of education and also the, it, it just, uh, frankly, just being fed up with what seems like more of the same. And even worse, a lot of people w would not want a woman president and also don't have fond feelings of the Clinton presidency and feeling like that's what's coming back into the Oval Office. So I, I think it's, I think it has to do with a lot of things, man. It does, but I, I think it's, it, it's a really important question to answer because if, you know, if, if Democrats are going to have a path forward... Well, it's it's the Democrats need to to find a way to expand their base, and and they're not doing well, right, that. But it what, keeps on well, shrinking. But what they, right, but if they're going to expand their base, they first have to understand 
what the motivations and worries are of the people who are leaving that base. Because if they don't understand that, there's no way they're going to expand it. But they can, but the thing is, they can't. They they can understand it all they want, but he, uh, uh, no rational Democrat is going to pursue the policies that will appease that group, because you can't. Well, but but like, but, that's, like, but like, because like think about like the think about coal country and all those places where there is such strong Trump support. You, like whether you think that Democrats are very pro union labor or protecting American jobs. Protecting the jobs that are leaving that part of the country means that you are dismantling decades of progress on protecting the environment. So those things are incompatible, but not for Donald Trump. He doesn't care, which 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 is a a val uh, which is definitely a policy position that you can take. So. Yes, they can figure out who is not on board and try to create a bigger tent. But in a lot of ways, the policy positions and what you run on is gonna exclude a lot of people. And I think a lot of like I I think the people who support Trump do it based off of not uh, there being no chance that the Democratic Party platform expands to include policy positions that speak to them. Well, I this may be to use this phrase sort of maybe one last time in this election cycle pivots us towards you know the 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 path forward which is <laughs> I I think I think that's what's going to be tested now is these people have voted for for someone who these people is not the right way to phrase that Trump Trump supporters I know, I know what you meant. have voiced their opinion that they believe that that this man can bring their jobs back and um we're we're gonna see if we're gonna see if that happens or not and if it doesn't then can, can i spoil the movie it doesn't right no it's right and, and and when it doesn't then then what you know then they go further to the right well because again yeah the problem is the only way that his promises come true is if you undo decades of progress with the EPA, if you turn America, as opposed to being a nation that prides itself on open trade and that kind of stuff, and becomes this weird protectionist economic entity that completely marginalizes itself on the world stage, which leads us to, st which which will hasten the end of us being the economic superpower that we are because if we want to say we're going to ban all imports or we're going we're to add a 40 percent tariff to anything that comes from like any, any cheap labor or any any cheap products that come out of uh, asia where labor is cheap that works for a little bit but then overall you're doing a disservice to the country in terms of our economic position so sure that helps these voters until they die but it doesn't help the country go forward overall. He he's he's just not going to deliver. Like, do you do you think he's actually going to deliver on any of his promises in a meaningful way? Whether or not you agree with his promises, do you think he actually gets things done or, or delivers what his supporters feel is progress? 
other than just like rolling back Obamacare or or whatever awful thing's going to happen there. No, because trying to make this country what it was 50 or 60 years ago it's it, i mean it, it's not possible and it's it's not even it's not even the best path forward mm-hmm. exactly it, it, progress progress has never been a bad thing i mean what the 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 idea that a society wants to essentially pause time and stay where they are is just is completely counterproductive and what counts as progress 20 years ago like it it lacks comparability like it's not the same thing you can't hope to restore what was true 30 years ago when you think about the technological innovations and all the other stuff that's changed that makes other parts of life better you don't get both right well and that applies not only to labor and the economy but it applies to society as well as i mean that that's you know that again that that's what we have to face in this election that that's another big part of this which is the fear of the other right and that's i mean there is a long long sad history of discrimination across western civilization including the united states and it's just it's completely just unconscionable to me that someone would want to try to stop or even reverse the progress that we've made on gay rights on racial rights in this country like that religious rights you know i mean that well but 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 they they care about religious rights just one religion it's Um, just it's just it's 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 sickening that there are there are people who view equal opportunity for any religion, any race, any sexual orientation. Like that just, I just, I just can't, I can't, I can't, you know, I I can, I can sympathize with the economic argument. You know, I, again, I can only speak from the position I'm in. I, I haven't faced that position of having a job outsourced like and i i could i i could try to understand how difficult that would be if i had a job that was like that and i could be sympathetic towards that and 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 try to want to make that better try to come up with an alternative for that but i can't i can't do that for someone who wants to stop progress on social equality so again, that that's why that 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 goes directly back to why I think it's so important to sort of understand what the true motivations of a lot of Trump's supporters are. I think that's a very commendable goal, but the cynical part of me thinks that you won't find what you're looking for. I think in a lot of ways it is just as simple as you think it is. I think and if, if we're going to be like super clear about it, I think a lot of people will hide behind the uh, economic self-interest or the fact that they feel marginalized. But I think a lot of that actually ends up becoming just afraid of change, seeing the progress that's been made over the past couple of decades as being the wrong type of change. And even though that change objectively has been for the better, 
in terms of human rights, economic independence, and a whole lot of other stuff. I think I think a lot of times it's it's just it is it is really simple. It's just not pleasant to look at. Well, so the the, the last thing that the last thing I want to say about about this whole election, which is sticking with our our outline here of talking about the path forward. You know, we we've already established that I don't know what the path forward is going to be for a Trump presidency. We we are truly just going to have to wait and see. So I don't think there's any reason to speculate on that more. But I could, for me, I, I I can talk about personally what I feel going forward, which is one of the things that I'm I'm now regretting about this election and learning about how I feel today is I wasn't I wasn't really I wasn't really involved. You know, I, I didn't I didn't volunteer. I didn't involve myself in any sort of get out the vote effort or campaign effort. So I, I'm I'm sitting here today dismayed, angry, sad, scared. But I other than voting, of course, I didn't I didn't really do anything to impact the result. And of course, one person can't significantly change the election. I'm not suggesting that my outreach would have done anything to change what happened last night. But at least if I was more involved, I could at least be sitting here today thinking, well, I'm still sad. I'm still angry. But at least I did everything I could to try to make myself not feel this way and not end up in this position. And so, you know, I I truly am going to take away from what's happened over the last 24 hours as sort of day one of changing the way that I engage with politics. And, you know, I, I, I still need to figure out exactly what that's going to mean going forward for me. But without question, I'm going to become more involved and do everything I can to make sure that, you know, last night never happens again. I think that's a commendable goal. I just think it's, it's tricky uh, based on, on, on living in a, in a solidly democratic state. Well, and I think that's where, <clears throat> you know, just walking, walking down the, the, the neighborhood's not, not probably going to achieve that goal. So I, you know, I, I don't, 24 hours later, I don't, I don't have the answers to all of this, but I, what I, what I want to take away from this is I want to, I want to do more. Like I'm, in addition to being all of these sort of, you know, depressed, sad feelings, I'm also, I'm fired up. Like I, you know, having this political science background that you and I both have, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're sort of taught to, to be understanding and to see both sides, but you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling more partisan than I, than I have probably in my entire life and not, not in a, and I can't be more clear about this, not in a combative way, not in a, I want to just 
tear down the other side. But just in the sense that I'm more partisan about my beliefs. Like I I think I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot about this today and I I don't know the best way to describe this feeling, but I came, when we were in college, I, I felt like I wanted to get into politics. That was sort of my, one of my career goals and one of the things I really thought I wanted to do with my life. But then, you know, when Obama was elected in 08, it, it, there was sort of this feeling of like, we kind of already have it figured out. <laughs> and so much of what's happened during his presidency with the Affordable Care Act with marriage equality, all these things that are most important to me, it felt like we were, we were like, we were basically, we were like already solving that stuff. So it was like, well, like what, what, what would I add if, if I wanted to dedicate my, my, you know, career to public service? But, you know, now we've, we've basically just taken this huge, huge step backwards and it's, it's sort of making me realize that you know i was wrong eight years ago about the progress that we've made i don't think you were wrong i think the progress was made just you and me and and many many other people underestimated how many people were resistant and uh, to that idea and do not see it as progress in the least they feel it's an attack on them and what they grew up with and what they feel the country means to them so i don't know yeah maybe you got time to reevaluate uh the plus side i would say is that most uh uh iconic elected officials uh generally have one or more pretty cute dogs <laughs> so it's, it could be a, uh, could be a, uh, yeah, it's, it's got fringe benefits. Um, yeah, well, we should probably move on from this, but, um, yeah, I, third Obama term is all I'm saying. <laughs> I like in, I in, in I, another world. I, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of, um, having this be a continuing conversation. Like of I, course. I don't. Until well, it's outlawed, absolutely, sir. <laughs> right. I don't, you know. I hear his hands are are impressive. <laughs> um, and another podcast I listened to today, keeping it sixteen hundred, which is which is in addition to five thirty eight, was sort of my other um, go to elections podcast. They they drove this point home, which which I'll I'll do here, which is you know we. We can't. We can't just be temporarily upset about this and then just sort of forget about it tomorrow. Like it needs to be a concerted effort and a continuing conversation. So, I I, I do think that maybe checking in a month from now, six months from now, is is something that we need to do. I th I think we definitely should. Um, again, and I don't want to prolong this conversation, but I again I. I think that's challenging when you say that it needs to not be a fading, uh, passionate um, discussion against this. Because again, when it, that sounds like doubling down on the, the progress that has been made 
but again, to get things going, you have uh, there's this weird idea that you have to go more to the center and be more inclusive, and those things just seem incompatible. Well, which is where but, I'm at a loss. Well, but I I agree wholeheartedly with what President Obama said this morning, which is. Or I guess actually, I'm I'm sorry that this was this was Clinton in her concession speech speech, which is we need to keep an open mind, and we we need to at least give Trump a shot. And I I, I agree with that a hundred and ten percent. I I I don't I don't believe it's constructive for anybody to go into his presidency just immediately assuming that. You're going to say no to everything. If I mean, if he takes one, even quarter step into doing half of what he talked about in the election, I mean, you damn well better believe that, you know, myself and hopefully many others will object. But if by some miracle he does become a more sane president than we assume he's going to be then you have to acknowledge that and support it where your beliefs are compatible with his actions. Understood. But again, the the counterpoint to that would be that if he does not, if, if he is a normal president somehow, then the base that elected him sees that as a failure and and, and walking back everything they voted for because they didn't they didn't vote to see some generic republican on stage or or in that office they want somebody that's going to roll back the progress close up the borders become economically insular and 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 make progress and all those things so while yes we don't have the option of just uh, covering our ears and being nope, 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 and being as obstructionist as the Republicans were and uncooperative during the Obama presidency. Uh, you, you also have to put into perspective that uh, Trump being a normal president is incompatible with what got him there. Want to talk about computers? We should probably do a little. <laughs> we should probably do a little bit of that. All right, first a word from our sponsors. Uh-huh. NatureBox. I still kind of can't believe that um, BarkBox is a thing. Why not? If NatureBox is a thing, something... Uh, do- dogs are better than people, so... <laughs> See, d- dogs would not have... <laughs> oh, man. I don't think there's a... There's, I don't think there's a, a dog Trump. Yeah, can we get the... Um, you know how people were taking the... 538 map and they were slicing and dicing it were oh what if only dogs voted yeah 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 i'm saying that that's what we would need is what if only dogs voted (laughs) there's a tennis ball as president (laughs) the map is just green Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just tennis balls 538 tennis balls Uh that's right yeah yeah and just and just a corgi losing its fucking (laughs) Um, a, a basket of corgis you run corgis. You run corgis for me. That's got to be. Oh, well, no, but you know that you know the the um, gift that I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were making a basket of deplorables reference. Well, I, I, I was doing that too, but I assume there's probably corgis in wicker baskets because I assume the queen just carries them around that way. <laughs> um, 
All right. No, seriously. Okay, we got to move on. Or we got to we got to talk about anything else. We do. So we're, we're running a little long, but I think we can we can get through some of this other stuff. Um, well, the thing is, we, we, we took a week off and and I got an iPhone seven. There was that god awful Apple event with with that with the new MacBook Pro. So we we the cut the Cubs ended a 108 year World Series drought, which I mean, that. <laughs> It's, it's kind of it's kind of a shame kind of a shame that this whole thing has happened in the last oh, 24 why? Because, hours because i because it doesn't matter anymore right yeah exactly well in being honest it's baseball and it's 2016 so nobody cared anymore anyway i know i, I, I thought it was so funny that people people were making this big deal that some of these world series games were beating like sunday night football so it's like okay yeah so the the most exciting World Series your sport has had, arguably ever, is beating a regular season football game. You know, c- congratulations, good good work there. Baseball needs more concussions, <laughs> I guess. Um, okay, so yeah, let, let's let's get through some of this other stuff. So, um, MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I honestly, I well, I, let's, I, let's let's talk about the event in general because it was. Did you watch it? I did, yeah. I, I I watched it. Um, I was in an airport, but I watched it, uh, streaming on my phone. So I I think I think I still got the the full full experience. It was one of the weirdest Apple events in recent memory. It felt like a lot of filler. Filler. That, yeah, that's exactly the word I was going to use. Like I, it's it's I, how a Russian would say Phil Schiller. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. Just they so Tim Cook's whole. Um, first, I mean, it felt like three hours, but I guess it was only like the first maybe 20 minutes, which was just like the fact that he like reiterated what was in iOS 10 and what was in Mac OS Sierra. It's like, yeah, dude, we know like it, the, the, the software's out. Like we, we've had it for a month. We get it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the whole event just seemed very, like it kind of, it kind of does feel like they could have just released these things with a press release. Like it really does, or gone. But they couldn't have done forty minutes of demos about a really mediocre uh, screen on your keyboard. That's that. No, but I think they could. I mean, they maybe not even like a press release, but they could. They could have done the thing where they bring in, I don't know, two dozen oh, like, journalists, like they and, seat them to reviewers. Yeah, like the, to me that that would have been equally effective. I think that Apple really wanted to try to tell a story about this product, even if that story is a book report that somebody made up to compensate for the fact that they didn't read the book. They used um, double side, double double spacing, and they they brought in those margins to mm-hmm. an inch mm-hmm. inch and a half. <laughs> you know my tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your trick, my trick, and every college student's trick. Uh, you always had to throw in a couple extra filler words just so that it would go on to a next line for the end of the paragraph. Or, or like, or you you legitimately would bring in the margin like point oh five or something, something where you know would would just move a couple words down to the next line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, man. So this comp- So yeah, the whole event was weird. A lot of it was completely extraneous and and unnecessary. But the big thing there was well, actually, the beginning of it was Apple TV TV, right? So, I have I have a lot I have a lot to have a lot to say about that. So, oh God, what are we? So, well, no, I'll, I'll run through it. So, there's there's a, I, a this is just a point release to Apple TV OS, right? 
Right. Okay. So yeah, Apple I think TV. It's, I think it's out. I think it's like available in the latest betas of iOS and Apple TV OS or whatever that's called. Got it. So yeah, so Apple TV TV. Now uh, Apple TV has an application on it now called TV, which to my understanding is basically like the search except somehow it has like these curated lists. So it's it's like this mixture of the iTunes store and the universal search that they had, except now it doesn't include Netflix because Apple doesn't play nicely with anybody anymore. So unless they want to give them 30%, it just, it, the, the, the user suffers. But the, the, the thing is, so I, I, just, I can't, I can't wait anymore to get this off my chest, which is their, their whole premise behind this new app is that it's going to solve all of your TV viewing needs. And that, that that's the whole the whole basis of why it exists. And that that's just such a narrow, unrealistic view of how people watch TV. Like I, I completely get that there are some people that are doing the whole cord cutting thing and trying to go that route. But the reality is that in order to have access to most of the content that's out there, you need to have a cable subscription. I mean, any sort of live sports, any sort of non-local channel, I mean, virtually, virtually everything you see on TV, you got to pay a cable provider for. So the whole the whole premise of that app just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think I think it's really disingenuous for apple to try to frame the app as like the only thing you need to watch tv because even putting aside like the tv subscription requirement the fact is there's also just a lot of content that's out there that isn't available on an apple tv app and if it's not available on an app it's not going to be part of of the tv app so i i just I, the whole the whole thing to me is just bogus well, even if it is available in an app, it's not necessarily in the Apple TV app. Right, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Again, this whole, and I, and I would just recommend that people read uh, the article. I don't have it in front of me, but it was it was by Joe Steele, who is somebody who, if, if you listen to Upgrade or kind of some of the Relay FM shows, you know who that is. Uh, I can finally find, I'll probably find the title somewhere. Um, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it, it was a very, very good point-by-point takedown that that very succinctly and, and verbosely at the same time like it, it was very detailed but it was also like there was, there was no filler of just how confused and ineffective the this hot like did it, did it ever get promoted from a hobby does apple still refer to this as a <laughs> hobby or did they promote it uh when they said the future of tv is apps i, I think i think they've promoted it al- allegedly well, like this, this, uh, this half hobby or whatever now is, is is just such a mess. They they don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing. They don't give it the attention that it deserves. Yet they still keep trying to act like they're solving problems, even though they're not. Like the feature of the the one thing that actually would have helped instead of this Apple TV TV app would have been if they actually uh, uh, swallowed their pride a little bit and found a way to make single sign on work with more providers. Than it currently does because even if you do get all these apps that somehow tie into this apple tv tv app you still have to sign into each one every like and do this little like either go to your computer and go to hbogo.com slash activate or you have to use the siri dictation or this that blasted horizontal keyboard that's an ergonomic nightmare to sign in 
So none of this makes any sense. And Apple keeps touting the progress they're making with us, but none of it actually gets any better. And as somebody who was resistant to getting the newest, is, is it the fourth generation Apple TV? I, I always get confused by that too. Yeah. I, I Cause they're somehow so. on TVOS 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think yeah. it's the fourth generation. In almost every way, except for a fee, the fact that it supports a couple of applications that are nice, which means I don't have to stream off my computer as much, it is an objectively worse box. I don't know what I'm doing, but I somehow manage to crash the home screen all the time. I get into modes where the Bluetooth remote like becomes unselectable. Like All I can do is scroll, but clicking doesn't do anything. Um, none of the applications are consistent anymore. I, I don't know who to blame, but the HBO Go application is the worst thing I've ever used on, on a TV. It, it's it's just an absolute mess, it, and they spent like 30 minutes of this event talking about this. And it's also, uh, and, and Joe Steele made this point, is that it's, uh, on a relative basis, insanely expensive. Yeah, compared to a lot of the alternatives, it, it definitely is. And is there still like has anybody actually made the case for what why there's two storage ca capacities? Oh, I, I, has I, any, <laughs> I, I totally I totally forgot there was. Like, I assume that was back when people thought they would play games on it. Except, why would you? Has there been a single game written for this thing other than Flappy Road or whatever? Is is, is there still is there still um, two storage capacities? I'm sure. I'm sure Apple would love to sell you something for two hundred dollars. Wow. Apple huh. TV, Apple TV, or Apple.com slash TV. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I have the, um, I mean, what are, what are those two storage capacities? It's 16 and 32? 32 and 64. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, no, it's probably, hold on, it's Apple, it's probably 16. <laughs> I have the lower, whatever it is, because I, 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 now I'm remembering when I bought it, I thought, like, why, why, why in the world would I pay more for more storage? I'm just, I'm streaming everything. Yeah, 32 and 64 gigs. Got it. Uh, and, and again, my favorite part of the Apple TV is that replacement remotes are $79. Nice, nice. So that that was that. I mean, that that's frustrating. But again, I, I must, uh, to go back real quick, HBO Go is the worst. Because um, last week tonight is one of the only things I actually watch on HBO. And when you go into the HBO Go app to to watch it, that's a, that's a show that comes out on a weekly basis that you always want to watch the newest one of. And regardless of how you access it, you always have to go through season, and it starts on the oldest episode, which means you have to scroll, swipe to uh, left to right like twenty-seven times to get to the episode you actually want. I so I, I'm I'm totally with you, but I, I think that's more on HBO than it is on Apple TV. But yes, but it, what what perplexes me is like back in the old days, like even though all the apps were boring and all looked exactly the same the interface or just like the usability of the device was way more consistent back in the old days. I don't know. So let's talk about the computers. Yeah. I mean, I think they were sorry, computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't. Yeah. I mean, they, or we'll know that there, there's, there's a half-assed MacBook pro now. The, the, well, the, 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 the MacBook, the MacBook pro escape, the MacBook escape as Marcos deemed it, which actually, I think that's pretty clever. Um, so I, yeah, I mean the, the, the max were sort of just exactly like we expected them. I mean, we've, we've said this ad nauseum on the show, which is everything leaks out before these Apple events now. 
So we, we truly did know everything about this computer before it, it came out, including pictures of it from the, it was it 12.1 or whatever version of Mac OS came out right before the event, had some Apple Pay photos that showed pictures of the new computer. You know, it, it's um, it's sort of exactly like we, we, we thought it was going to be. I guess the review embargo, it seemed like it just maybe lifted today. I saw some reviews come out, which I haven't looked through yet, but based on what we saw at the event, you know, the, the touch bar looks exactly like we, we thought it was going to, um, you know, I, I, to me, the, the, the biggest takeaway for this computer and the biggest thing we'll have to kind of wait and see how this is going to work out is the, um, the ports. So on the, on the, I guess it's on the, on the 13 and the 15, right? There's four USB-C ports. With the touch bar model, only right, two, two on this. Yeah, eight. right, right, right. And that and that's it. So no no MagSafe, no USB A, um, no Thunderbolt, no HDMI, just USB C. So no SD card reader, because that would be awkward. <laughs> right. Um so that's you know that that well, I mean we'll see I mean maybe maybe USB C is the future and everything's going to be USB C twelve months from now and Apple is smart about skating to where the puck's going not where it is I mean we'll we'll see but I I don't know I'm I'm skeptical of that so there's 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 a lot to unpack here um, to sum it up I I am happy that I bought the last good pro computer Apple ever makes. Mm-hmm. Actually, the last two Pro computers they ever made. I have the 13-inch Retina Mac Pro from 2015 is faster than this computer and better in almost every way. Because this computer, and again, I want to preface this with I'm not just a crotchety old person that doesn't like change. I think like the MacBook had a ton of compromises in it, and it's not a computer for me, and that's okay. But to redesign your quote-unquote pro computer and make so many changes that don't actually serve the type of customer that is going to buy that computer makes no sense to me because this this thing is an absolute mess. Uh, first off, they they destroyed the key, uh, the keyboard. It now has basically exactly the same keyboard as the MacBook One, which has no key travel, which is just uh, absolutely terrible to type on. Uh, they got, like you said, they got rid of all the normal ports. It's USB-C, which will become very common sometime in the near future. And and again, Apple is usually the one who pioneers this kind of stuff. But again, that doesn't mean that you have to askew all the other ports that would make this a useful computer. Like MagSafe was a terrific invention that I think everybody loves. If you want to get rid of that, fine. But that also comes at the cost of any regular sized USB ports. That and SD card slot. I like. I just don't think it's unreasonable that you should design against the people who might want to buy this computer because this computer also got way more expensive compared to what it used to be. Yeah, and, yeah. That that was the other headline out of this event was just what a premium you're paying for. I guess the Touch Bar, because <laughs> because really that's. That's all that's kind of new. I mean, outside of the, you know, obvious speed improvements. What speed improvements? Or was that a joke? No, I mean, it's 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 not faster. Well, but it's it's a newer generation of Intel CPUs, isn't it? 
barely which well, and it's a fa- faster RAM. faster ssd too now, that, that, based on i guess early benchmarks that is because i guess the the non-touch bar model has that too and it, it seems like that does actually make make a bit of a difference for um kind of read write bottlenecked apps yeah but i guess for me like what makes me the most upset about this is that it's not really that much smaller. It's 0.1 inches thinner, and it's uh, 0.4 pounds lighter. I don't know anybody in the world that would say losing a functional keyboard and any ports that were actually convenient means uh, four-tenths of a pound is worth it. I just don't understand who this computer is for. I mean, yeah, I, we've uh, another topic we've talked about. It seems like every week, which is, I mean, even the people who have gone from a MacBook Pro to an iPad Pro, to me, the half a pound here, three quarters of a pound there, along with like a quarter inch of thickness or what, whatever the difference is, like that kind of stuff just doesn't matter to me. And you know, you know, maybe you know for certain people with maybe a bad back or 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 something maybe it does make a difference but at least for me like i i just i can't i can't get excited about that kind of stuff and and here's the thing i i'm i'm sympathetic to that i can i can totally get somebody who's like you know i like the apple pencil i like uh it being primarily a touch device that i can turn into a keyboard like i get all that and they'll always try to uh like reason with it or or um rationalize it by saying it's thinner and it's more functional and that kind of stuff like i i get that but on this one th- you can't say that yeah i i it's a um it's a it's a weird computer the the usb-c thing is is it just just baffling in in, in so many ways Again, throwing throwing on USB C, like if they had like, cause like uh, removing ports is something that Apple does, and that's okay. Uh, like I can, I'm looking at my MacBook Pro right now, and the HDMI port, you know, I use that eh, six times a year. Um, and you know, what? if you wanted to replace that with a USB C port, and I have to carry a dongle for those for one every uh, one time every two months, I use that. So be it. But the fact that you can't plug anything useful into it without a dongle is is just for the pro product that you're pricing at uh this starts out at what eighteen hundred dollars something yeah something like that like that you you gotta well and and, you're just not you're not you're losing sight of who you're making a computer for and i'm not saying you're making it for like somebody who wants to build a pc and wants you to have swappable graphics card base or something like or like wants to put a second hard drive in here i get that stuff and i I know what apple designs for but this isn't then take off like just say you don't make pro computers anymore well and even i mean magsafe i mean that apple has spent years marketing and and rightly so how great magsafe is and to just completely abandon it just and and not not even abandon it but abandoning it and then not replacing it with something that's better, replacing it with something that really is objectively worse. Like I, that that's crazy. I I love MagSafe. That one I can get over more, but no, I I still see the frustration. I I still think that's a little bit lame. But um, 
Yeah, but the keyboard is what pisses me off. Yeah, I, I ag- agreed. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't mentioned that yet. But you, I know you did the, the, the keyboard thing. You know, it you know you you could sort of play devil's advocate and see why it makes sense on the MacBook given the the thinness of that computer. Although you can make an argument as to why a computer doesn't need to be that thin. But with the MacBook Pro, it, it just it just seems it just seems unnecessary. Like it really it does seem like Apple believes that that whole butterfly mechanism is a better experience. Like it, it seems like they legitimately believe that. Here's the thing: it quite possibly could be, but for the point one inches that they're saving in terms of thickness or th- or thinness in in Apple parlance, how about you try making one that uses these beautiful butterfly switch mechanisms? that has regular key travel and then you'd have an amazing keyboard that's that's what i'm saying though is i'm saying that i think i think they might believe that the reduced travel is actually better i don't think they do because like like maybe this is me misremembering what what jason said when the macbook one originally came out but i could have sworn he was saying that most people in apple were saying yeah this is a compromised keyboard to get it so thin not that they thought this was inherently better Hmm. I don't. I don't remember that. But because I remember when the MacBook One came out, they were saying like, "Oh, like you know the the current like chiclet style keyboard that we we ship on most of our Mac portables are they're a little wobbly sometimes, and and this is better." And I'm like, "Okay, that's that's great," but they have zero key travel, and it's just a crappy typing experience. Every time I go into an Apple store, I always like, I'm like, "Is this any better?" No, it's not. After two sentences, it's it's just frustrating to type on. And again, it's just not radically thinner or lighter to make all of this worth it. And it's not the cost. Again, if they had just made a 13-inch MacBook Pro that had a faster processor and maybe better battery life and had a, a, a the wide color gamut display, which is one thing I am envious about this computer, and it came in space gray, charge me $4,000 and, and I don't care. <laughs> but just well, what are they even making anymore man oh and sorry if you'd if you'd add a touch id to that uh mythical computer i was talking about five thousand. i would sell a kidney i think that's the only way things will work in trump's america um yeah touch id is is is, is really intriguing um but in the wide color gamut display, I mean, those are genuine great improvements. And I want to give Apple credit for some things. I just think the compromises they're making are the wrong compromises. And again, this is not meant to be the mainstream or like the most widest appeal product. So I don't think the usual, well, Apple's designing for the 95%. And just if you don't fit, that's that's tough noogies. I don't think that applies here. I'm not asking for them to be for them to make like some weird windows 10 ultra book like the the x1 yoga or something where where it's it's some funky frankenstein computer just make a good modern mac maybe someday maybe someday they'll make their own monitor that lg thing is weird that the lg thing is very weird like I get it, and I, I like I know like well. And here's the thing: like I would say, oh, new Apple has different priorities, but also new Apple under Tim Cook will sell anything. They don't even care. The iPad Mini Two is still around. The iPad Air, the iPad Two, like from 2000, uh, 2011, stayed around for like five years. So, I I I really can't 
think of a world in which they couldn't have just paid LG for the panel, wrapped some fancy uh, stainless steel around it, and and sold it for two thousand dollars. Yeah, I I do not I do not have any sort of good answer as to why they went the direction they went with the monitor. That uh, that's that's super weird. Very very unapple like. Yeah. Well, maybe they're all about partnerships since they have the uh, the Apple uh, the Nike Apple Watch too now. Why well, and and maybe, the, maybe um, they'll maybe they'll talk to HP about um, doing some co branding on some iPods. Oh yeah, that that that's a good idea. They should they should look into that. Talk to Carly. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Com- <laughs> combine combine that with some type of Beatles tie in, and they might they might be onto something. Again, I, I, again, we're running long, so we're probably gonna wrap this up soon. So, but I, I don't want to sound super down on this, except to say that I am, because I feel bad that I'm. Uh, I my voice probably sounds more riled up and enthused uh, negatively about this than I was about the Trump stuff. It's the Trump no, stuff is. That's... I'm I'm more despondent. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. I actually had that exact same thought, but because computers are frivolous. Like yeah. this is something. This is not the future of our country. This is a computer that I think is mediocre. No, I think I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, we do our share of complaining on this show and we, we can get passionate about seemingly kind of um silly things and trivial things. But to be honest, it it's this sort of passion that's easy because it is mm-hmm. about stuff that doesn't really matter. I think it came across probably in the first hour of this episode that we're we're legitimately pretty bummed out about what happened yesterday and it's 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 not something that you can really even it's almost too emotional to show a lot of emotion about if that makes any sense can we ask rural pennsylvanians about key travel <laughs> uh, okay let's, let's we, we, uh... we, we, pro- we probably wouldn't agree on that either okay i'm gonna move on (laughs) a future employer might listen to this no they won't um real quick let's just oh let's we'll like zip through a couple last things um oh shit i got an iphone 7 well let's see i was so i'm looking at this list so let's do the iphone 7 thing and then and then we'll pick next week let's or you want to do that this week what the iphone 7 thing Let's just do it real, real fast. Oh, okay. Because you already talked about yours, and you're still in love with your 7 Plus. Love, so. love the 7 Plus. It's great. Yeah. I, sh- I, showed you, I showed you that depth effect thing. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, although... Uh, well, never mind. Um, yeah, iPhone 7. It's it's uh, camera, substantially better, it even is. though it doesn't have the, the dual uh, things. It seems like the automatic settings. Like, uh, whenever you take a photo of something, and there was like a bright light, either behind you or something like uh, the iPhone prior iPhones would always struggle with that. This one seems to not have that problem at all. Um, the camera is fast. The phone itself is super snappy. Like I think just the speed at which it unlocks is worth the, like the upgrade cost and trouble. Like it, it is like a quarter of a second from touching the home button that you're in. Cause on yours, you, you turned off the, cause I remember you were kind of slightly more uh, on board with the new way the home the lock screen works, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it now. But you do you uh, did you turn on the accessibility rest uh, rest finger thing? I uh, no. Mm-mm. Oh, so you you click twice no matter what. 
Why did I just just click once? Well, no, but if you click once, it doesn't unlock. You have to press it again. No. It just wakes up the screen. No. Yes. Well, I, Touch ID is so fast that by the time you actually press in, it's already read your thumb. Mm-hmm. So I'm effectively just pressing once. I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing, but that's okay. Okay. Um, have we been talking about the same thing this entire episode? Who knows? I, th- I think we have. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, uh, let's let me can, let me just real quickly gripe about the the setup process. Because uh, uh, first, it would not allow me to restore my iCloud, and then you had suggested that it's probably because of the software version, where in previous versions of like I, uh, of iOS, it would let you know, oh, this iCloud backup is from uh, a phone that has newer software. This doesn't tell you that at all. It just uh, tries for five minutes and then dumps you back into the setup screen. So then I went through, set it up as a blank phone, updated it, and then did it again. And then it took three more tries with iCloud to get it to go. So that, that was a huge pain. And then... Um, iCloud encrypts your backups now, which saves your health data, which is nice. But uh, I want to know if this is my fault or is this how it works? Uh, do you have to log into every single app when you're done? Pretty much. There are some apps that seem to keep your login credentials, but for the most part, yeah. Yeah, that's really disappointing. I like I I I have a lot of apps, and and that's yeah that that was a huge pain in the butt. But one thing that that does illustrate is that. I am surprised not more people use the 1Password extension thing. Like only about a fifth of them had the little 1Password button to bring up your keychain manager. So that that was kind of a... I do always get excited when I see that though. And I instantly like that app 10 times more. Yeah. But no, it took like two hours of logging back into everything because two-factor authentication and all that stuff, It like that's, that stuff is not seamless. But no, that's pretty much it. I got the jet black. It's in a case. I'm terrified to take it out of the case because it's gonna scratch if I look at it. Um, but it's 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 a nice worthwhile. Oh, you upgrade. went you went you went jet black, two fifty six jet black. Okay. Uh, just because since it's inside the case, I greatly prefer the way the camera bump looks. Mm, yeah. Because the matte black, um, like I know people are saying, like, oh, they're owning the camera bump now, but I think it looks way too it looks way too pronounced with the matte black. Whereas jet black, it just fades really nicely in. Interesting. I'm I'm looking I'm looking at mine now. I, yeah. Although the phone is so damn big, it you know the camera bump doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but that's mainly it. Again, it it it's it's very very speedy. Uh, I like that. I haven't noticed a big battery life difference, but again, it's in a battery case anyway, so that doesn't matter too much. Uh, Apple Watch setup and transfer, as usual, is a huge pain in the butt. Awful, yeah. And then I forgot that every time you get a new iPhone, it makes you recalibrate your running. Right. Yeah, it's all that. The people they're they're using to the, to not update the Mac Pro, I wish they could help with this kind of stuff. You missed the headphone jack. Uh, have you used the adapter yet? No, but also again, I'm not normal because I use my computer for most things. Well, but I mean, I I don't, I don't, I don't use my computer for most listening, and I I still I have the, my adapter still in that little um, box thing it comes in. I haven't used it yet. Well, no, what I'm saying is that I don't listen other than workouts. I rarely plug headphones into my phone. Well, and what I'm saying is I I use my phone a lot for when I'm listening to something with headphones, but it. 
me my all my headphones now are bluetooth so yeah you still got the qc 25s or 35s yeah but i don't i don't use those i use those mostly when i'm traveling got it did they ever get more comfortable they have yeah okay good yeah no i've actually i I was going to come back to that at some point i've I've had that on my list because i've done some traveling recently and had some longer flights and um they've actually been pretty comfortable good but um yeah we, we should come back to that at some point yeah um all right okay so um picks the picks of the week and let's get out of here yep um you go first <laughs> uh, uh i have a pick of the week and an anti-pick of the week okay uh, education. Mm, too soon. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. What do I mean? You're making an election reference. No, but w- what do I mean with each one? Well, maybe I don't know. So I pick uh, the education as the pick of the week because uh, had uh, uh, the the based on exit polls and a lot of other things, uh, the turnout would be very different if. Um, or the the way people voted was very different, whether or not you had a college education. But also, I say it's an anti-pick of the week because with a declining Democratic turnout, I think there's a lot of people who think they're too smart for their own good, which leads to protest votes and a lack of engagement. Hmm. I like. I Sorry. like. I like that. I think it cuts well, both I, ways. I, well, I don't like that. No. But... You, yes. Yes. It's it's it, you're anti-picking uh, my anti-pick of the week. Yeah. Um, okay. I've, I've, I've had, I've had this kind of in, in the back pocket for, um, a little while, but, um, I think, I think I have to, to go with the, the health app, just the stock iOS health app. So I, as I, I mentioned this on the show, maybe a month ago now, I, I've sort of gone all in with the, the jawbone sleep tracker and the withings scale and all that kind of stuff. And, when you start aggregating a lot of this data over a period of time, it actually becomes really interesting. And the the health app does a really nice job of aggregating all that data and presenting it in a pretty intuitive and useful way. So I, I've, I've something I never used for, I mean, I don't even know how many years it's been out now, but now that I've actually invested in some of the health stuff, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It is better. Um, it's different, but yeah, they made it a lot more straightforward in iOS 10. So yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Um, am I misremembering, or did you uh, get a Wi-Fi scale? Yeah, that's what I say. The with the Withings scale. The, yeah, 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 good. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. But I think you know it, it's taken it's taken a couple of months now to you know th- th- that stuff isn't really meaningful until you've got at least a couple months of data. But when you start getting some like averages on stuff, it it's um, yeah, it, it's super super interesting. Yeah. Well, good. Um. So yeah, let's let's wrap this up. We'll give uh, the nation time to heal, and um, we'll enjoy the uh, the Obama goodbye tour. Uh, yeah. All right, man. Uh, good talking to you.